Our scripture lesson this morning is found in the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel. I'll be reading parts of chapters 18 and 19. That's 1 Samuel. If you want to follow along in the Pew Bible, you can find the beginning of our passage on page 229. Before I read the scripture, I invite you to pray with me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Melt away anything that would distract us in these moments. Mold us to be receptive to hear from you. Fill us with your spirit as your word is read and proclaimed so that we might leave this place renewed and ready to embody your spirit in the world. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Amen. First Samuel chapter 18. When David had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was bound to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that he was wearing and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him. As a result, Saul set him over the army. And all the people, even the servants of Saul, approved. As they were coming home, when David returned from killing the Philistine, the women came out of all the towns of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul, with tambourines, with songs of joy, and with musical instruments. And the women sang to one another as they made merry. Saul has killed his thousands. And David his ten thousands. Saul was very angry, for this saying displeased him. He said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed thousands. What more can he have but the kingdom? So Saul eyed David from that day on. Jonathan spoke well of David to his father, Saul, saying to him, The king should not sin against his servant David, because he has not sinned against you, and because his deeds have been of good service to you. For he took his life in his own hand when he attacked the Philistine, and the Lord brought about great victory for all Israel. You saw it and rejoiced. Why then will you sin against an innocent person by killing David without cause? Saul heeded the voice of Jonathan. Saul swore, as the Lord lives, he shall not be put to death. So Jonathan called David and related all these things to him. Jonathan then brought David to Saul, and he was in his presence as before. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
So over the past month, our sermon series has been expecting different results. If we are to hope for a faith that looks different, say, a year from now, we have to work now to embody spiritual practices that continue to spur us on as disciples of Christ. And so we've considered upping how much time we spend studying scripture. We've examined how to pray. We've been challenged to take leaps of faith. And we've even reflected on how we should give God our time. I am certain that while all of these practices can be done alone, that true growth comes when we take part in community. I think for many of us, though, that can seem like a daunting task to embody spiritual practice as a part of a community. And so this morning, I want us to think together about how community, and specifically the faithful friendships that we cultivate, can help us deepen our spiritual life. One of the most unexpected byproducts of the pandemic has been a shift in our relationships. I was reading an article in The Guardian the other day, and it referred to many of our relationships as being parked during the pandemic. Parked, like we park a car. You see, our relationships had not ended, but they really weren't being maintained. A survey done by Digital Third Coast, a marketing agency, found that 20% of people had unfriended someone on social media because of a COVID disagreement. Additionally, a poll that was done in the United Kingdom found that one in three adults said they had fallen out with a friend because of pandemic pressures. Research has shown that close friendships protect our mental and our physical health because they help us fight off one of the most harmful things for humans, loneliness. So why then did less than half of the men who were surveyed in 2022 by the Survey Center of American Life report being satisfied with their friendships? Less than half of them were satisfied with their friendships. And only one in five of those males surveyed said that they had received emotional support from a friend in the past week. And it wasn't that much different from women. Only two in five of those women said they had received emotional support from a friend. Our Google searches tell a similar story. In the spring, Google published a list of the most searched for subjects in the past 12 months. And at an all-time high were questions such as, how can I meet new friends? Is it normal to be jealous of your friends, to argue with friends, or to not have any friends? Something has to change. We cannot keep doing the same thing and expect different results. And into this post-pandemic world, our scripture lesson this morning comes, giving us a guide for how we are called as people of faith to cultivate friendships as a spiritual practice. 
One of the things David is most well known for is his heroic defeat of Goliath, the warrior. You probably remember David opted not to wear the king's armor, but rather approached the giant with his sling and a stone, and voila, victory was the Lord's. It's one of the stories that sets up our scripture for today. Immediately following this victory, we learn of David's most cherished relationship, that of his friendship with Jonathan, the son of King Saul. Without really giving us an explanation for why, our scripture this morning tells us that Jonathan loved David as his own soul. And because of this deep love, the two make a covenant together. Now, covenant should ring familiar in our ears for us because this is the commitment God makes to each of us. And so it's powerful because these two friends are making a God-like commitment to love and support one another. Perhaps you've been in a small group at Montreat or a Sunday school class here at Faith or maybe even participated with a mission team going abroad who has made a covenant together. You see, when we make a covenant together, we're being intentional about our relationships, making sure that things aren't just happenstance, but that we're faithfully practicing with one another our faith, that we are living together in the ups and downs of life. In 2019, I was invited to participate in a conference called Credo. Credo is a gathering of pastors from across the country that is designed to help us create systems of support to sustain our ministry. I was placed into a small group with four other pastors. We came from Washington and California, from North Carolina, Mississippi, and Florida. We didn't know each other from Adam or Eve, but we were put together by the Presbyterian powers that be because they thought we would be a good match. We were told to work together throughout that week-long conference to help one another pause and reflect on the nature of our ministries and the implications of three questions of identity. Who are you? How is God at work within your life? And in what ways can you faithfully respond? The goal of the small group was really to make sure that we had a solid sounding board during the conference, and hopefully that we would reconnect again in a year when the conference regathered. Even though COVID had other plans for our conference, postponing our reunion one and then two years and ultimately sending our conference virtual, our small group became a band of friends. By grounding our group in the faithfulness of God, by committing to be vulnerable and sharing our hearts with one another, by agreeing to listen for the Spirit's movement in and among us, our souls were bound to one another. Since October of 2019, our small group, which we lovingly dubbed the Micro Machines, has been fulfilling a covenant we made. We meet monthly via Zoom to listen, to laugh, to counsel, to cry, to push, and to pray for one another 
for our families, for our congregations, as we seek to embody Christ throughout our ministry. You see, we made a covenant, a covenant to show up and to listen, a covenant to love and to ask hard questions. And so because of that covenant, we've been there to celebrate as our families have grown. And we've also been there when one of our fellow cohort didn't feel like they could get out of bed because their pastoral pastoral call relationship had been terminated. You see, Jesus said, where two or three are gathered, I am there among them. And without fail, when our words fall short, the Spirit shows up in the faces on my computer screen and the prayers that we whisper for one another and the physical reminder that we are not alone. I wonder what it would look like for you to make a covenant with a few others, to be more than just how you doing kind of friends, but to faithfully commit to walk alongside one another, to pray for one another, to watch for the Spirit's movement. I imagine it may look a little different than some of the other relationships in your life. It might begin to look a bit more like the relationship of Jonathan and David. You see, their covenant wasn't just an exchange of words. It was a gift of self. When Jonathan offers David his cloak and armor, he is not only giving him possessions. He's offering him his title and his role as next in line to the throne. While our relationships don't come with any royal status, if we are going to faithfully live into relationship with one another, I believe it will look a lot like self-giving that is vulnerable and open, sharing our joys and our sorrows, and holding one another accountable to seek to live more like Christ. King Saul is often hot than cold in our passage this morning, and truthfully, that's a pretty accurate snapshot of his whole journey with David. He had essentially adopted David into his family when he conquers Goliath, but then he quickly turns to jealousy when he hears David's name being praised alongside his as they return from battle. Hot than cold. And as a faithful friend, Jonathan warns David of his father's anger, and he offers him protection. He speaks to Saul on David's behalf and ultimately gains him safe passage back into the family. If we are using scripture as a model for our relationships today, you may be thinking, well, We can check this box. I don't have anybody that's trying to kill me right now. Thanks be to God. Done. However, I think that the protection that is offered by Jonathan is a powerful model for us if we are seeking to be faithful friends. You see, when doubts arise, a faithful friend can stand constant. 
and lovingly walk alongside us as we wrestle with our faith. When we face sorrow in our life, the protection of a faithful friend surrounds us with love and comfort. The protection of a faithful friend is often the thing that helps me know that God is present with us in a tangible way. I'm pretty sure I've told you before that Thomas and I often dispute what we're going to watch after we put the children to bed. So for me, if I can choose and get the controller first, I'm going to put on something that makes us laugh or maybe snuggle in for us to watch a romantic comedy, something that gives us warm fuzzies. And Thomas, on the other hand, wants to watch something like the Discovery Channel. So I did give in recently. And I dozed off just a few minutes into some Planet Earth episode we were watching. And don't tell him, but it was actually a little bit interesting. You see, it was following a turtle down the Murray River in Australia. And the turtle was a mother. She was pregnant. And the show followed her as she buried her clutch of eggs along the banks of the river. As the eggs developed within their nest, the ones that were closer to the buried surface began to develop quicker due to the warmth of the sun coming in through the dirt. The turtles that were farther down in the hole seemed to be slower to develop. Now it seems as if they might be stunted because the temperatures are cooler down below, but when it came time for them to hatch, all the eggs hatched at the same exact time. And with strength in numbers, the baby turtles began to make their way down to the river, combating predators and safely arriving in the water. Researchers who were doing the show wanted to determine what caused this phenomenon. And so they captured a pregnant turtle and they divided her clutch of eggs into two groups. And they observed them under two temperature conditions separated from one another. And lo and behold, they hatched at two separate times. It was the presence of being with the more developed embryos that allowed the cooler, underdeveloped turtles to hatch in time. It seems to me that we have a chance to offer this kind of community to one another, to build relationships that don't expect us to all be at the same stage or place in our faith journey, but allow us to faithfully travel this road together, to bring others alongside us, offering protection when needed, and celebrating God's presence in and among us. Perhaps today, as I've been talking, you're sitting there feeling like, I can't think of one friendship like this that you're talking about. Or maybe you've been blessed to call to mind two or three friends who have been faithful, holding you accountable, 
offering you protection. It's my hope that as a congregation for the year ahead, we will commit to being intentional in our relationships, faithfully seeking out friends with other children of God and making covenants together to support one another, to pray for one another, to celebrate the journey God has placed us on. And I hope that when we look back at another year gone by, we'll be able to give thanks to God for all the growth that has come because of the faithful relationships we've had in this place. To the glory of God. Amen.